Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, I get excited about Easter. It's, it's just one of those punctuated things on our calendar, this, the celebration of, of life. We celebrated Good Friday uh, a couple of nights ago. It was really good. And uh, I, I like to reflect back, as many of you do too, and, and look at what, what Jesus did when he went to the cross. Sometimes it's hard, though, to move from the cross to the resurrection. We've got Saturday in between there, and it's really hard sometimes to get our mind around the fact that, well, he didn't stay on the cross. You know, it happened. I'm so thankful for it. But that happened, and then there was a resurrection. So about 2,000 years ago, probably, not probably, actually, <laughs> the greatest man that ever lived. And those that knew him and got to walk with him fell in love with him. And he was a brother. He was a, a, a best friend. He was a savior. He uh, created the world with his word. He's the word incarnate. I could go on and on listing all the attributes of who he uh, was and is. But those that walked with him witnessed his mangled body upon a cross. They witnessed something that was so horrific that even a stranger, somebody that they didn't know, it would have been an awful, ghastly sight to see someone dying in such agony and such shame with abuses hurled uh, at them. And he had more abuses hurled at him than anybody else. It says that the religious people, as they walked by, they said, Hi, you're the king. Save yourself now. Hey, what about the temple? You said the temple was going to be destroyed. You'd rebuild it. You can't even get off the cross now. So they mocked him. And even even the the two that were on uh, on either side of him being crucified, it says that, that they joined in. Uh, I, I don't know how that's possible because one of them, uh, he said, <laughs> you're going to be with me today in paradise. And I think maybe the guy repented. I, I don't know. But I think if I was next to Jesus Christ on a cross, the last thing I'd be doing is, is, is mocking him. But they all kind of chimed in. They all mocked him. And it's very much like, to, like the spirit of this age. I, uh, I like sometimes to look at the news on Easter and just see if they report anything at all about what we're celebrating, and the answer on my news app was no, they didn't. They talked a little mention about Easter bunnies and chocolate and uh, some critical things uh, about what's going on, but, but, but they didn't go, hey, it's amazing, Christians today are celebrating the resurrection of the dead. There's still that, that mocking spirit that's in this world. And I, I began to really think about that. Like, why is that? Why, how do they get away with that? And I think the answer will become pretty clear uh, as we unpack the Easter story, uh, which, which is not just a story as in uh, like a, a fable or a fairy tale or something that didn't happen, but an actual event that did happen. And we're going to look at how we can live that out and how the, what's the importance of that in, in our life today. I want you to go with me over to the book of Luke, and it'll come up on the screen. And I want to read to you what exactly happened on that day some 2,000 years ago. Luke 24, it says this, it says, on the first day of the week, now this is according to the Jews' weekly calendar, so it is Sunday, that's why we celebrate on Sunday. Very early in the morning, 
the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. There's just something final about death, isn't there? When you think about they're going to a tomb, they're going there, there to expect a body, they're going there to anoint his body because they didn't feel that it was done properly and they're discussing this, how, how are we going to get this stone out of the way? But, but in their heart, there's something that is so final that they have not yet discovered that he's alive. I think about death and how final it is. When somebody dies, it's like they're gone. They're not coming back. We have to come to grips with that. Perhaps you're here and you've lost a loved one or a, a dear friend, a relative. Uh, and, and when you get that news, it's just sinking. It's like, oh, no. Like, I'm not going to see them again until heaven or the by and by. There's just something final. It says it's over. Death says you'll never see. You're never going to hear them ever again. This morning's message, however, uh, the title it, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before you see the result of the resurrection. So they found, verse 2, the stone rolled away from the tomb. They entered. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Why they were wondering about this, suddenly, I love God's suddenlies, two men in clothes, they were angels, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And other descriptions say they were on either side. I think it's such a, a great... Uh, picture of the Ark of the Covenant that had the mercy seat and the two angels with, the, uh, with that space in between touching and where Jesus' body laid was where the, on that, that lid of the Ark of the Covenant would have been the mercy where his blood was poured out, where the sacrifice was meant to be. But we won't get into that this morning. But uh, they, they, they see these two angels and they're wondering about this. And then in verse 5, In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men, the angels, said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? I find that a little bit... I, I don't believe the angels were sarcastic there, but the fact was that the women weren't looking for the living among the dead. They were looking for the dead among the dead. They were totally surprised... <laughs> that he wasn't there, wondering, well, who took his body? They're still not thinking about uh, looking for the living among the dead. They're looking for the dead among the dead, but the angels give them this big clue. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? In verse 6, he's not here. Don't you just love that? He's not here. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Now he did teach that. He said that. He shared that with them. It's just like most of us, though, uh, when it comes to memories. We, we generally have selective memory. We generally, we're taught a lot of stuff. We hear a lot of messages we kind of know a lot of things, but then we forget. It's easy to just kind of slip away from something that God has shared, a revelation perhaps, or, 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 or something that you were taught, maybe even in Sunday school, and just to walk away and, and forget about it. But then I like verse 8, it says, Then they remembered His words. That's part of what we're doing this morning 
I want you to remember his words this morning for them to come back into reality, into life itself. In verse 9, it says, When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. And then it tells us who it was that was there. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the disciples. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I think that sums up, again, the spirit of this age, nonsense. You know, the best proof of life after death is a life before death. That's the best proof. I've been reading a book, and I've talked about it a little bit, and it's on near-death experiences. I, I, I encourage you to get it. If you don't have it, it's called Imagine Heaven. And uh, it has, like, incredible accounts that are documented of people born blind that uh, had never seen in their life but had a near-death experience out of body on the operating table in the ER and, and saw for the very first time describe what the surgeons had on and hovering above their body, uh, looking at themselves, never having seen themselves for the first time, seeing things like color for the very, very first time, describing the conversation that happened in the ER, and then going on to paradise, if you will, to uh, heaven or a preamble of heaven and, and, and seeing such beauty that they couldn't describe. Imagine never having seen in your whole life and then seeing for the first time all of that, like, wow, but they came back. And they came back differently. There's something about the resurrection that, that changes something. When we get a re resurrection revolution, it's like something shifts in, in the scale of our, of our belief and the intensity of, of how we live. Something has to shift when you really believe that he's actually alive. It means that I'm not talking to a dead man, that I'm talking to a living person person saving God that created the universe, one that can do all things. I would say this to you, that the resurrection is everything. Have you ever thought of nothing? I remember once thinking about that. The Big Bang. Something started out of nothing. I thought, that's impossible. How, how can there be nothing because there must have been something, even an idea, a concept, the laws of physics. There, there had to be something there for something then to uh, bring all of this universe into existence. Uh, I began to ponder uh, nothing. Have you ever pondered everything? <laughs> so the flip side of that is start to think about eternity. Start to think what a world without limits, a, a world without borders, a, a, an expansive uh, universe, eternity. I, I remember once contemplating eternity, and I thought, well, well, if you come to the end of, of the universe, because they were talking about in science class how, how big the universe is, and I thought, what do you, was there a wall there? You know, when you come to the wall, what's on the other side of the wall? Because we live in a finite world. We have finite minds. We have a defined body that we live in. It's impossible for us to think of, of everything. And yet God says this about nothing. He says, nothing is impossible for him. Nothing. 
I, I know it probably doesn't quite mean it like this, but I like to think of it this way. The whole concept of nothing, that there would be nothing, it's impossible. There has to be something. And before there was something that we call our, our world, there was something called God. And that God, that Logos, the Word of God, it says that, that, that He was with God. And, and all things were, were created through Him and, and by Him. And without Him, there was nothing that existed. So there's always something. But then I also think about everything. When I think about the resurrection, it's either nothing or it's everything. And when I think about the fact that it's not nothing, I have to then switch over and dial into the fact that it is everything. It's not something passive that we can take it or, or we can leave it. It's either nothing or it's everything and I'm thankful that God says this that that everything is possible for those who believe I mean how powerful is that nothing is impossible everything is possible to he or she that believes believes what that believes that he is alive and when your belief kicks in and that that factor that resurrection factor there's just something that happens these women came back. Mary Magdalene was the very first one that, that discovered the stone's been rolled away, the tomb is empty. Think about Mary Magdalene, and the Bible says that out of her, Jesus cast seven demons. She's a woman that knew what it was like to lose her sanity. She's a woman that knew what it was like to get saved from such an insane future and such a, a hell background. She was a woman that so much appreciated what Jesus had done that she took a year's wages of expensive perfume and just poured it on him. She's a woman that washed his feet with her tears and her hair. Her appreciation was so off the, off the scale. Think about if you were insane, you'd lost your sanity, she was abused, or something happened to her throughout her life, and here this man comes into her life, and he saves her, he restores her, and she's just beside herself, and she goes, she's like, we didn't get a chance to do it right, we didn't get a chance to, uh, to put spices on his body, we're going to do this right, so she gets some of the other women, mainly Mary's, like Mary's the most common name back then, but... And she gets the mother of Jesus. Yeah, Mary, otherwise known prior to that as the Virgin Mary, goes on and has other children, but she comes to the tomb as well. She's just witnessed the most horrific scene, her son, her baby, the child that she raised, that she nurtured, that she wept over that she endured incredible scorn because of the way that she fell pregnant and few believed her. They had a shared history together of pain but incredible joy. And she looks up and she sees her son in the flesh dying the most brutal death. And she comes with Mary Magdalene racing to the tomb and he's not there. What an insult to injury. What a horrific thing for any human being, let alone a mother. 
And then it mentions Joanna. Joanna, a lot of people wouldn't know who Joanna is, but Joanna was married to Chusa. Chusa was Herod Antipas, who's Herod the Great, King Herod rather. She was, she was, uh, Chusa was his steward or his right-hand man, and she's married to the right-hand man of a tyrant. He's the one that had John the Baptist beheaded because John stood up in his face and said, it's not right for you to marry your brother's wife, to divorce your wife, and to do that. He criticized him, and, and at a banquet, people drunk and kind of a, a raucous affair, his stepdaughter is there, and he says, well, whatever you want. She says, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. So he granted it. John was beheaded. Now Joanna, she's married to his steward, his right-hand man. What's her future going to be like? What, what, what is the fate that's, that's, that's beholding her now that the Savior is gone, the miracle worker is dead, the one who was a stone to religion but a foundation stone in their lives, the cornerstone himself now, there's a stone in front of his dead body, mangled body. Death is death, and they are out of hope. There's nothing going for them. And then it says Salome was there. Salome was uh, the, the mother of, of uh, uh, the wife of Zebedee and the mother of James and John. You might remember that she went and she said to Jesus, uh, I want my sons, one to sit at your right and one to sit at your left hand in glory. Jesus, hey, you know, I can't grant that one. Not a firm denial. But she was bold and she loved her sons intensely and, and she saw Jesus as, as uh, kind of her ticket to her son's success. And, and here she is now. Everything is dashed. Every hope, every glimmer of a future, it's gone. And now inside of a cave is the hope of all of their lives. I lived in a cave for a lot of my life. There was a hole in my heart. My mother walked out when I was three, left my brother and myself. We ended up in foster care and then living with relatives until my dad would get, get married again and have a failed uh, marriage. But the empty hole, the empty cave, the tomb in my heart, Nothing was filling it. I was trying desperately to fill it with drugs and alcohol and everything that the world has to offer. And I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to try to move away as far away as I can. I moved to California uh, just thinking maybe a, a, new, a new change. But everywhere I went, that cave, that tomb went with me. Everywhere I went, it was the same. It didn't matter. I could move anywhere but my head, my, uh, my, my thought life, that, 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 that emptiness went with me. And I, I, I found moving to California didn't solve it. I just found more people to do more drugs and more parties. Until some women, if you're here, women, I just want to say thank you for some women. Until some women, they were in their 80s, came and visited my empty tomb. They came and visited the cave where I was living, re retreating from, from, from life, hoping that somehow, some way, but not knowing how or why or how this was going to work out. Some women, they came and visited me with a message that quite frankly seemed like nonsense to me at the time. 
that 2,000 years ago, somebody died for me. Somebody loved me so much. Somebody that was rejected just like I was. Deep rejection. My God, my God, why? Even you have forsaken me. Somebody that was abandoned, because I was, I know what it was like to be abandoned. And that cave was just empty, and it drew me back in. I'd try to come out of it. I'd crawl out of it, trying to get, to, to, to get a life, but would suck me back in again. And then in my early 20s, I got visited. My tomb got visited <laughs> by some beautiful old women that had really no reason to mingle with a 21-year-old guy's stone. Dragging me to church, getting me, sitting me down in the middle of Uno and Othello and other games that we used to play, sharing with me about how much God loved me, about how much God's alive. And the proof of that life was the life that they lived. They had resurrection life, resurrection joy, a resurrection smile, a resurrection fun. They had a resurrection revelation that took me out of that cave, out into the light where God could deal with my thoughts. God could deal with my emptiness. God could execute the executioner in my life. And the stone was rolled away. The resurrection Easter. Oh, friends, it's, it's either nothing or it's everything. He's either nothing to you or he's everything to you. You won't get away with the fellow. He's just a teacher. You know, Buddha taught some things. Muhammad taught some things. Jesus, teacher. No, 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 no. Oh, he was. He was the best teacher ever going. But you won't get away with that. Because he's more than teacher. He's Lord. And Lordship trumps teaching anytime. What he taught was profound. But following him is even more profound because he leads you out of caves, out of the mess that we're all in from humanity. All of us are tangled to some degree in the mess of humanity. He gets you out of that mess into a zone called life, called resurrection life. He's everything. Or he's nothing. Make up your mind. I discovered that he's not just the Lord either. He's, he's a friend. He's a father, takes me to the father of all grace and all mercy. The life that we share in Jesus Christ is so amazing. That whatever you're living right now, whatever mess that you're entangled with, whatever cave and emptiness that you've got in your heart, I can say to you on Resurrection Sunday morning, Easter morning, right now, it's only a matter of time, my friend. It's only a matter of time before that mess gets sorted out. It's only a matter of time before the promise overtakes that problem that you're dealing with. It's only a matter of time until your after goes before. You ever watch those resurrection, those uh, renovation shows? My wife is addicted to them. <laughs> Gail loves the renovation shows, you know, flip or flop. Uh, I don't know all the names she does, but, uh, you know, it's like, oh, what are we watching now? <laughs> it's another renovation show. 
that I was showing you the before. You know, they come in, it's like, oh yeah, we, we've, we've budgeted $100,000 to fix this mess up, kick some of the wood, it's got, oh, it's got dry rot, we'll rip that out, flooring. Then they always get the unexpected surprise. It's like, oh, and they dramatize it. You know, our budget, we're way over now, it's, this is really blown out, so terrible. But they always manage to get through the drama, which is probably created in a script. To be quite honest, sorry, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> but then they show you the after. And it's like the music kicks in, and one of the shows, they're doing it for some couple that wanted them to renovate their house, and they blindfold them, they come in, take off the blindfold, the music, you know, wow. They start crying. It's not the kids the bottom of it. Oh, the, the men shed. Oh, it's just amazing. You know. <laughs> it is only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time until experience catches up with your expectation. It's only a matter of time. It's, it's, it's only a matter of time before the after <laughs> takes over the before picture of whatever you're going through in your life. I want to take you to a, uh, just a couple of scriptures I'm not going to teach this morning. I've told myself I'm not going to teach, I'm not going to teach, I'm not going to teach. But uh, there was someone else that was at that tomb but he came a bit later. He came with his friend. His name was Peter. Now Peter, it's interesting because he's usually the first in, first in best dressed Peter. He's usually gung-ho. But these women get up and they, they go there and he's still in the moly grubs because he's denied the Lord three times. He, he actually denied that he ever knew Jesus. Three times. And Jesus had told him that before the, 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 the crowing of the rooster. He says, you'll have denied me three times. So he does. He denies him to a little girl. And then he hears, oh, it happened. Just what he told me. But Jesus had also said, when you are converted, Peter, when you come out of your hole, when you come out of your cave, you'll worship me. You can find me in Galilee. And Peter and John, they take off running. It's a foot race to get to the tomb. And Peter, he's lagging behind. And John gets there first. John refers to himself in John chapter 20, I think it's verse 4. The disciple whom Jesus loved got there first. He outran Peter. I started thinking, what? why? Like, I, I, I would have expected Peter to win the race. But do you know how hard it is to run with a weight on your shoulders? Do you know how hard it is and you're sitting here this morning or you're listening this morning and you've got guilt. In fact, you've got more than guilt You've got a title that says guilty. 
that that's what you see. Do you know how hard that is to run the race when you've got that on your life? You cannot run fast. You cannot run swift until that weight comes off of you. Peter gets there after John, but he does something that John didn't do. He goes into the tomb, and he sees the, 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 the head garment folded really nicely, and the rest of the stuff there, and it's like, wow. Starts to wonder. There is some hope. There's going to be a little spring in my step. I think about who didn't go there. One of them who didn't go there was Thomas. Doubting Thomas. And yet later on in the narrative, Jesus says, go and tell Thomas. In fact, he does more than that. He shows up. He walks through a wall just to visit Thomas. You might be here and you're a doubter. And I, I would just say to you this, that Jesus visits Thomases. Jesus will show up in your doubt. Your doubt hasn't negated the power of the resurrection or the cross. God understands that. He knows that. He says, blessed are those that see, but how much more blessed are those that didn't see? That's us. I, 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 I think about Peter. How, how can you run right when you've lived wrong? And that's most of us. <laughs> we can't run right because we're living wrong. And the, the, the life that we're that we're living wrong, that, that's, that's, a, that's out of kilter, that's, that's, that's not in sync. It's like, like a, a, our wheels need alignment. We need some balancing in life until God restores you. You can't run right. And, and the living wrong se seems to take over the, the, the rightness. There were others that were there as well, but we won't go into that. There was mother, uh, the, uh, uh, there was another Mary as well. <laughs> They all had their own hopeless situations. But I want to go with you to, uh, I want you to go with me to a scripture. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe it is. I'm just going to find it here. In verse 20, I'll just paraphrase it. It says, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Verse 20, 1 Corinthians 15. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also from a man. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Whatever's wrong with you that's holding you back, that's causing you not to run and sprint into the life that God's given you, it's, it's something that seriously, this morning, I really want to encourage you to get it off. Pull the weight off. Because it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before his story becomes your history. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Go with me over to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to fly right now. We're almost done. But Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Oh, I love this. I'm coming down. I'm going to nail you with something. Seriously, <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can knock the devil that's, that's talking you out with one punch this morning. Seriously, this is the knockout punch that we're getting ready to, we're getting ready. We're, we're getting ready. 
We're, we're getting ready because it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before this message this morning on the resurrection life, Easter Sunday, before that's going to drop into your heart and it's going to explode. The weights are coming off of you this morning. It's only a matter of time. It's 16 after 11 here on Easter Sunday morning. And by, well, by the time that we hit 1130, whatever it is that's slowing you down, weighing you down, entangling you, whatever tomb that you're in, I want you to get ready because it's it's only a matter of time my friends Colossians 2 12 having please stay with me on this I, I'm not going to teach but I want you to stay with me as I teach <laughs> having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away. Nailing it to the cross. Oh, and I love this bit. What did he do after the cross? Here it is. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle, spectacle of them triumphing over them on the cross. You see, Jesus was the first one to die in sin but be resurrected in righteousness. He was not the first person to get raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised from the dead. He raised the, uh, the widow's son at, at Nain from the dead. There were a bunch of people that came out of the graves when, 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 when Jesus rose from the dead. He was the first one, though, to die having carried all of our sin. That's why he's called the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. You were resurrected with him. Again, dead men can't do anything, but a live person could do anything. Colossians 3 now, this is good. Follow with me, we're almost done. Since then, <laughs> since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's the resurrection revelation. You died. That old sorry you, that, that, that old me that was stuck in a cave that was abandoned and, and, and suffering rejection and, and, and bound up and, and, and tormented. The, the Mary Magdalene that was bound and tormented with all these demons. The, the Joannas and, and, and all of them. Peter who was tormented with guilt. You died when he went to the cross. Your old life, your old sorry, sad life went to the cross and died. You were crucified, dead, and buried with him. That old you is 
been done away. The handwriting of ordinances which we read, which was contrary to you, was nailed to the cross. Friends, the trouble with so many people that are believers and filling churches and call themselves Christians is they're living on the wrong side of the cross. Always hanging there. When I saw that, that I was dead, I started to preach my own funeral. I've preached some funerals before. But I started to look in the mirror and go, you're dead. I'm going to preach your funeral. I'm just going to say how much it means to me that Jesus Christ killed that old man. That Jesus Christ came out of that cave and took me out of that cave. And as he is, so am I, and so are you in this world. Well, how is he? I think he's doing pretty good. <laughs> We're not done yet. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Hidden. Verse 4. This even goes further. When Christ, who is your life, <laughs> you, don't, you don't live two lives. He's alive and he is your life. Appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It is a wow. So here's a big takeaway. Instead of asking what is it going to take to conquer whatever it is you, you right now? Whatever it is that you're struggling with, it's got you down, it's got you in a dark place. It's got a giant stone in front of it that says, you ain't coming out of here. <laughs> whatever that, that is, instead of asking, I don't know if I have enough. Do I have enough to conquer this? I want you to ask this question. Was he enough to conquer it? Did he conquer it? <laughs> Whatever it is. Or did he maybe leave some of it undone? Did he saying his final words, it's almost finished except for your issue. You know, what you're dealing with, it's like, it's a little bit more than the cross, you know, like we have to add to that. Friend, did he conquer it or are you trying to conquer it because you don't know that he actually did conquer all of it? Well, what are you going to do? Oh, I just don't have the power. I've tried and tried and, and, and I just can't. Yes, you're right. Stop it right now. Surrender. The power is in surrender. Let it go. Walk out. The question is, did he conquer it? Because as he is, so are you. It, your life is hidden. Did we not read that? Or You know, I didn't write these letters. Uh, set your eyes on things above. You died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
I don't have to ask, do I have what it takes to conquer this or that or whatever? I only have to ask, did Jesus conquer it when he rose from the dead? If he did, then you did. Second question. Are you in him? I'm going to give you a chance. If you're not in him, it means you've never made him Lord of your life. Given him your heart. Given him your life. You see, I don't always have what it takes to conquer whatever comes my way, but Jesus always does. And if I'm in Him, friend, and you're in Him, it is only a matter of time before you're walking out of that thing. I don't have enough faith. The question is, does He have enough? <laughs> oh, I don't feel worthy. Wrong question. Was He worthy? Whatever it is. You can fill in the blank. What really matters is that he's worthy. It's not up to your worth and what you can do and your track record and your power. So I want us to stand this morning. I'd like the music team to come back up. Thank you. I began to think about how fast this virus spread worldwide. From person zero and Look, whatever your theory is, just humor me for a moment. Okay, I'm not here to debate conspiracies or who's right or wrong, but start it somewhere, let's just face that. But the, but the marvel to me is that there was a start somewhere, and now there's millions of people that, that have a virus that's trying to kill people. In a matter of weeks or, you know, even months, like, this thing just went, it went viral. To the point where, you know, put your mask on and don't breathe on anybody. And I began to think, what if, what if life went viral? What, what, what could happen with just one of us? Just, just, just one of, oh, that's ridiculous, you know. We don't have any power. One person can do nothing. One person infected with a stupid virus has shut down most of the world. Imagine if one person infected with the life of Jesus Christ, what they could do. Oh, my friends, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. With God, all things are possible. Nothing is impossible. I wonder if you would be the one that would just say it's a matter of time. It's just a matter of time before my experience is going to catch up with my expectation and my hope and calling in Him is going to obliterate whatever experience I had. It's going to exceed that far, far exceed that. The after is going to exceed that before picture. Uh, that thing is dead and buried. It's not me. It's gone. I'm tearing up, burning up. Let go of it. The weight that's on me right now that I can't run as fast as I want in the things of God, put it off. Put it off. I want you to close your eyes. I'm just going to pray for you. And look, if you're here and you're watching online, I want to include you in this prayer. I want us to quit taking the stairs and we can take the elevator, friends. That's what basically what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, it's so hard, it's so hard. Well, then get in the elevator for goodness sakes. Push the floor that you want to go to. Run out of that cave. Don't have a dead man expectation. Get a revelation of the resurrection and have a resurrection expectation because it's only a matter of time. So I want us to get our testimony out of the tomb start to preach to, our, to ourselves what it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you declare, if you believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess with your mouth, confess what? That God raised him from the dead. What are we talking about? The resurrection. That if you believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord over that situation and get it out. Confess it with your mouth. It's only a matter of time, my friends. You shall be safe. Safe from what? Safe from everything that's trying to choke the life out of you and kill you right now that's entangled you. If you believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead. It's Easter Sunday. Woo! Come on. So I want you right now to say this after me. And this is going to be a prayer proclamation. Amen. But I want you to say it like you believe it. It's only. It's only. Oh, come on. Come on. Get a microphone, guys. Help, help everybody out here. Uh, I'll put it all together. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. That I'm, that I'm coming out. It's only a matter of time. Before my expectation becomes reality. The history of the first is the history of the rest. My history is his history. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Amen. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, somebody's going to take this pulpit away. And we are going to party. We're going to party right now. Amen. Okay, thank you. Thank you. But before we do, if, you're not, if you don't know him, you haven't given your heart to Jesus Christ. There'd be nothing more. I would be no more privileged to do anything but to lead you to Jesus Christ right now. So I'm going to ask you this question. Are you, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you just tired enough of the old? And do you want the new? If that's you, you want the new, and that's you, I want you, you to pray this prayer after me. We're all going to pray this together. This is the most exciting time in a whole service when somebody gives their heart to Jesus Christ. So say this after me. Dear God, I thank you for sending your son to die for my sin, that you raised him up. Jesus, I give you my heart. Raise me up. In Jesus' name, come on. Everybody said amen and amen. God bless you. Uh, yeah, God bless everybody.
Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.